Welcome to Ahead of the Game, a podcast brought to you by the Digital Marketing Institute, giving you insights from industry experts to supercharge your marketing skills. Today is the Modern Mindset, where we explore those soft skills that are so vital to developing your career. And this episode is all about time management and adaptability in the workplace. I'm Will Francis, and I'll be talking to Kevin Reed, an executive communications coach working here on the island of Ireland. Kevin helps people to fulfill their potential through applying better routines and practices, amongst other things. Welcome to the podcast, Kevin. Thank you, Will. It's good to be here. So um, just to kick off, it, give me an overview of your um, how you manage your time, your day, your week, even your month and year. Well, good question. The first thing I do is I turn it around. So I look at a year in advance. And then I break that down into quarters and then I break that into weeks and break that into days. So I very much work on a quarterly basis. Um, the things that I would do, the, the, the training and coaching we do are quite seasonal. So you won't work at all in August. You won't work in December and you won't work in January. You just, no one wants to do, no one wants to engage with us. So you have to channel all of your work activity into the rest of the year. Mm. Right, And there's not much left. So that's... That's very, very much focused on the mind. Um, and we have discussed it extensively, but the big thing to do is have the overview. So we can talk further about the overview, but I very much give myself an overview of what's happening in the entirety of the various businesses that, that I'm involved in. So you have, um, from what, what, we, what I understand, you have a basically a map uh, on a sheet of paper in your diary. You have a map of everything that you're working on and so you can see all the moving parts in your career at the moment, essentially. Yeah. So I utilise very much Tony Buzan's mind map process. Okay. And what I do is I have on my diary, it's a small mind map that is just a series of arrows and concentric circles that outline everything that I do. And at the moment, I'm involved in eight different collaborations on top of my coaching and training business. And what that does is just the name of each one. It gives me the overview, I have further detail written on the whiteboard in the office, which is on a floor to ceiling whiteboard. And that gives me the detail. But for that objective overview at the start of every day and the finish of every day, that's what I use as a mechanism to allow me to have a concise overview. How, and how do you decide what you're going to do today? You can't do everything. No. You, you can, but you will have a heart attack. You can't, definitely, because no, you, you're working on a lot of different things. I'm working things. on a lot of things. So, for instance, when I'm here today in, interacting with yourself, I had two other tasks to do today. But I was able to banish all the other tasks, right? Because there's a big, big important rule in this, is your brain is for thinking, not storage. Mm. And too many people overload their brains my brain's pretty clear. I couldn't tell you what I'm doing tomorrow. I have to look it up. Yeah. Because I free my brain, which allows me to have strategic thinking, to be clear for the thinking, not getting involved in the nitty gritty. So do you start the day with a to-do list? I start the day um, by lying in bed for 20 minutes <laughs> and running it over in my head what I'm going to do that day. That's good. I like that. Right. So Martina, my wife, has stopped shouting, get up, because she knows what I'm doing. I'm actually lying in bed talking to myself, working out the day. That's nice. I like that. You, you're selling this system ah, to me. That's good. Then on top of that, you've got to realize what you can actually do. So lots of research has found that you can only actually start work on and complete three tasks a day. Yes, I've heard quite a bit of talk yeah. about this in time management circles. 
So, okay, and, and how do you work out what three things to do? Is there a way to do? Do you have a system for kind of? Well, I have a system. It's it, it, well, it's whatever whatever the prioritize prioritization system that you use. How that's measured, it could be what's important for my business, important for my client's business, or a marrying of the two. Mm. Right. Simple thing I do. It's a just it's a, a letter and a number. So I've got A B C. I've got A one two three, B one two three, and C one two three. Everything gets a code. Yes. I even put color on top of that. So the stuff must get done is in red. The stuff that should get done is in blue. The stuff, if I have time, is in black. So at a glance, I can go down my to-do list or I can go down my mind map because it's always in colour. And at a glance from 10 feet away while running out of the office thinking of something else, I can see what has to be done. It's the overview. You sound like quite a visual person. I'm very visual. Um would be a visual storyteller for a lot of the process I use in my coaching is I would tell people stories and give people examples. So a lot of anecdotes and people understand the direction that I'm coming from. So when I look at something, it has to be visual. It's something I have to see. Mm. And that gives me a better overview. So you could give me an app. It wouldn't work for me. It can work for other people. Wouldn't work for me. And I need to go through the process, which is slower. And for that, it's admirable of writing things out. So it taps into my subconscious and I can think about it more. It slows things down because we're too fast. Yes. So you're not only a fan of visual um, representations of information, but you also like good old traditional pen and paper. Yeah. So you, you're saying that by writing things down in analog form with pen and paper, that they sink into our subconscious more... Because you will very easily make a voice recording or very easily tap something into your keyboard, which takes seconds or milliseconds. Bang, it's in. Mm. But if you have to write down meeting Will next Tuesday morning at 10 o'clock in London, and while you're doing that, it reminds you two or three other things at the same time. That's okay. Mm. It's triggering your subconscious. Very powerful. It is. No, you're absolutely right. And so uh, have you heard about the... The idea of swallowing the frog, which is... Uh, Brian Tracy, love him. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And do you swallow the frog? Oh, on a daily basis, yes. (laughs) (laughs) So you basically tackle the nastiest, most the the least attractive task first in your day. And that could even be the least attractive phone call of the day. Oh, yeah. You know, and sometimes um, clients of mine have been known on... um, to go to the office really early in the morning and ring in the really difficult guy at quarter to five in the morning, go, sorry, I missed you. (laughs) Get you again later. But they've prepared themselves for that conversation because they've listened to the person's voicemail and listened to their voice and acclimatized themselves to that person's voice. So when they ring later on, they can follow on the conversation. So... They've kind of licked the frog. Yes, they've licked the frog. Getting the bad stuff out of it because you feel good. You then, if you get that task done, you wallow in success. And we all motivate ourselves by thinking what a success feels like. This is what success feels like. Isn't it great? I can't say I feel the same way when I get to lunchtime and all I've done is uh, browse social media. Yeah, well, there's the stuff you should be doing and the stuff you shouldn't. If your job is a social media browser, is that your job? It could technically be part of my job, yeah. but it's not really. It's if not If you the were frog. a Jamaican beach tester, you could have the same issues. You only tested four beaches by lunchtime. <laughs> 
(laughs) (laughs) I'd love that job. Um, Okay, so do you use any digital tools? I use Office 365 um, for people to interact with me. Okay. So my clients and my staff would interact with me using Office 365. Um, I keep the paper diary alongside that and duplicate it because it works for me. Everyone should pick a system that works for them. And how do you delegate tasks? Does that happen through a task management system or do you... Um, What I usually do is I would spend the majority of my day training on training courses or on coaching. So I'm not always available for people to interact with. So we tend to use the taskmaster for that. Yeah. Yeah. And then what I would also do is um, I'm available at quarter to one every day if you need to call me. Mm. So I'm available at quarter to one and quarter to five. So that's when I've made the gap in my day for people to have a conversation with me who would work with me, who need to talk to me. I like that. That's a great idea, yeah, actually. That's, yeah. So that's that's no matter what, I'm available. Yeah, I, I like that. That's um, because we don't do enough of, I think, spontaneous communication starting to go out of the window, certainly in terms of phone calls. People don't like ringing unless it's... No one has a call unless it's been put in the diary like a week in advance. And think of how quickly... How quickly it would be if <clears throat> I quick email Will, can we have a conversation later on? Mm. Or instead of just picking up the phone and asking that that thing and we could be on and off the phone in 25 seconds. Oh, yeah. And I have the information I need and I've had the interaction with you. Mm. Which is nice. You know? and, and too many people hide behind, like, um, did you call him? No. I sent him a very strongly worded email. Yeah. Mm. So you didn't call him. No, call him. It'll, it'll make it happen. It's a human interaction. No, I get that. I mean, I, I was, funnily enough, on the way here, I was thinking about this. I was thinking about the problem of trying to get, you know, trying to go uh, organise drinks with friends. And I was thinking, you know what I should do? I should go to the same pub every other Thursday at seven o'clock for two hours and just tell everyone that's where I'll be. And you, you never have to arrange a drink with me again. I'll just, you'll know I'll be at that pub. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And there's no, there's no ambiguity. It's a certainty. Yeah. So you're saying I should do it. <laughs> Depends who's paying. Well, exactly. Yeah. Um, and do you, do you specifically help people then with time management, specifically time management systems and? Yeah. So everyone has a prime time. Mm. And what your prime time is, is that period of the day when you are at your best. So that's either to work out your strategy, do your big thinking, do difficult invoicing, whatever. This is the time when you are at your best, right? For me, it's 10 o'clock at night. Mm. Not many people want to interact with me at that time, but that's the time when I write or I research or I strategize. When you find out when your prime time is, that's the period of the day that you do the tough stuff on. See, I've got that problem. I, and I think a lot, I suspect a lot of people have. I'm uh, my sharpest in the morning and in the evening and afternoons are kind of not so so I try and put meetings in the afternoon but I I love working at night if I have to but actually I hate having to do it because I want to do more recreational things how do Mm. I fix that but take a step back is the work you're doing like you know you you find it hard to work in the afternoon so don't work in the afternoons now I'm speaking being owning my own companies that's that's different but you might be better for your your work-life balance and your time management to go off and do something that interests you in parallel with your work rather than sitting at your desk in endless meetings that mm. are actually counterproductive. Mm. 
because there's something really what, what's great about the evenings it's twofold it's partly that my mind and I think a lot of people's minds switch on in this kind of very cr- quite creative way but it's also the fact that no one else is at work and there's something really nice about that yeah. um, you know and you know there's not going to be any emails coming in there's, you know there's no one waiting for anything um, and it's kind of stolen time it, it's, it is it's really that's sort nice. of that, that you have you have defended your time because enough of us don't defend our time. Even in the workplace where I walk up to you go, Will, do you have a minute? I really mean 10. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm standing over and you're going, go away. I'm busy is what you want to say, but you don't. How do we deal with time thieves, Kevin? Very simple. You see me approaching your desk, you go, oh my God, here comes Kevin again. You stand up. By physically standing, you appear impatient. Mm. And you can say to me, Kevin, how can I assist you? And then you can go, while gesturing, I have to get back to my work. So it's a lot easier to do that than if you're sitting looking up at me yes. and I'm standing over you. So yes. to display impatience, stand, which can be physically done. And it also signals me from a good 20 meters away that you're busy. I might just turn around and walk away. So <clears throat> another time stealer is email. Mm. So email is a, think about what it's actually used for. People misuse it completely. It's actually used as a backup to verbal communication. So it's used for sending technical details. That's what it should be used for. Of course, what people use it for these days is a paper trail. Mm-hmm. We have to be able to prove that we send. I'll just CC you and I'll, I'll just CC all the important people. Oh, and then terrible. the organization gets swamped in email. If you want to be good at email, you've got to train the people who you interact with to know how you use email and when you respond to email. So I look at my own email at quarter to nine, quarter to one, and quarter to five. If it's urgent, call me. Yeah. And all my clients know that and everyone's fine with it. But the person who's sitting working and there's the bing, the bing, the bing, or the, the thing popping up on screen that says, you've got mail. Mm. And the biggest danger, that, back to Brian Tracy, is multitasking. We cannot multitask. He's worked out that you will actually suffer a 500% drop in productivity if you try multitasking. Dipping in and it's not actually possible. Um, you and I had a chat before about someone passing by your desk. So <clears throat> Brian Tracy again has done research where the same person passing your desk every day, you recognize their footfall, you recognize the way that they move. And even though you know it's them, you watch them walk by. And if you added that all together, there's minutes of your day watching colleagues walk past you. What a waste of bloody time. You know? Yeah, it so really it is. Totally saps the productivity. The best way to have productivity is to batch your tasks. So all the difficult things you do early in the morning gives you a great sense of success for the day. And then you batch together all your emails, all your difficult phone calls, all your meetings, collect them together. Because what happens is you have one good email and one it leads into the next good email or one good meeting leads into the next good meeting. If you're going email, meeting, phone call, you're all over the place. And, but that's why I, I, I like email because it's asynchronous. You know, you, you, it doesn't, it's not like a, an instant messaging thing where you're having a conversation. You can say what you want to say in the way you want to say it. You can batch all your replies so you can spend a half an hour just replying, 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 go through the inbox, clear it out and then, and then move on. And that's, mm. that's what I think email's great value is. It is. Um, but you've got to be careful in the terms of the speed that you use it in the, the written word that you use. Are you mm. typing as you speak? 
which is not good because uh, culturally in some organisations, we prefer a good morning, good afternoon, good evening rather than a hi or just starting with a name or maybe starting with no name. I think it's very dispassionate. So sometimes a better communication is to take the time to say good afternoon, Will. Hi, Will, morning, Will. Little things. But it's very easy to plough very quickly through a lot of emails, to bang them out. Mm. Very, very powerful. Very, very powerful. Absolutely. Um, And so you talk about uh, batching your tasks, finding the times of day when it's better to do that. I mean, is everyone, I mean, I know your answer is probably that everyone's different, but there must be common trends in in when the best time, what the best time of day is to do certain things. Well, I have a pal who is a heart surgeon and he he likes Friday afternoons, but no one ever wants to get their chest cavity opened on a Friday afternoon. For him, it's always Monday morning. He hates Monday mornings. Yeah, it so doesn't it, doesn't sound good Friday afternoon. You're imagining they've all been for a pub lunch. But he, that's where he is. He loves Friday afternoon. He does his best work on a Friday afternoon. Not everyone, you know, it's, and some do, people do their best work in traffic jams, yeah. on 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 uh, hands free, or recording memos, or whatever it may be. I've actually, uh, through talking to people about this kind of stuff in London. Um, it was only fa- re- relatively recently I realised that a lot of us find the tube a really produ- or trains yep. a very very productive place because when you get on the tube or an overground or what have you you've probably got maybe 20, 30 minutes, it's a very short window of time, but you've just started your day and you've got this kind of certain energy and you know you've just got to do something and the amount of work that I've done in some some of those pockets and is And you amazing. know you have a set time. Oh, it's so finite. 20 minutes, bang, bang, bang. In the same way when you're sitting at your desk, for many people, they get a hell of a lot of work done between half four and five. Because mm. at five o'clock I go home, bang, 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 bang. So productive. Yeah. What were you doing the rest of the day? And, you know, there's so many systems that try to kind of fabricate that. So there's things like, you know, the Pomodoro method and, and, and time boxing methods of various sorts which can be hard for a lot of people because they kind of know that ultimately yes there's an app that's counting down 20 minutes but it's not it will never be as hard and finite a deadline as having to get off the train or needing to go home at five o'clock yeah you know what's your i mean what's the most successful time boxing um technique or tool that you've encountered um the gratification (laughs) I will give myself X if I do this now. Well, like that. Yeah. So I will go for a ride on my motorcycle the moment I have this finished. Mm. But I will do it to, to the level of my expectation. So I'll write this training course in its entirety. The lesson plan, the PowerPoint, and when I have it finished perfectly, I'll allow myself to go for a spin on my motorbike. Gratification. That's nice. And we always remember gratification as a child. If you're a good boy, I'll give you a sweet. <laughs> It's the same thing. It's funny, isn't it? I start parenting myself. <laughs> but it's very good, that. I like that. I'm going to take mm. that. Um, and that's another thing. Not enough of us in our time management actually allow time for play. Mm, now, you're a parent. I'm not a parent, but I do allow time for play. I allow time for me to go and enjoy myself. And I am selfish. I will defend my time for spins on my motorcycle, walks on the beach, whatever it may be. It's time to defend, to relax. I, I really do uh, agree with that. I, I'm i self-employed and have been for years. And 
um, I, I've, I've gotten into that more and more over the years, and I understand that, you know, because it's it's that walk on the beach that, you know, where you're going to think of the thing you were working on this morning in just different ways. There's lots of obvious reasons why that walk on the beach is important. And 10 steps into that walk, your head is in a different place. Yeah. 10 steps, guaranteed. Mm. And if you really want to improve upon the, that experience, take your shoes and socks off. Mm. Different way to think completely. I would do it in the Phoenix Park in Dublin, do a lot of barefoot coaching where someone just has to, just have to, just have to talk it out. We walk around barefoot in an area called the 17 Acres. Completely clears the head because it's a different way of doing the same thing we do every day, which is walking. Yeah. So it's barefoot. So what people do is they start to rationalise and compartmentalise and so many ideas flow and they talk to the open air and they talk to me all at the same time. Wow, that's interesting. We can all do that just by walking. It's very true. Um, I, I do, I do, I do agree with that. It's something, something quite special about that, and and it's it's a shame, isn't it, that people who are employees uh, of companies probably aren't given the license to do that. We're we're penned in for eight hours. I don't know how we kind of overcome. Some companies do, some companies don't. Um, the company I work with in Northern Ireland, <coughs> they have blue sky thinking rooms, where they have a narrow corridor with black walls, and in that corridor is a reclining chair. And the door is a curtain and the back wall of the room is a window. And the window runs from the floor up to the roof and across the ceiling. Wow. And that is, if you need to go and think about something, you go in there and you look at the sky and you have a think. It's a blue sky thinking room. And no one abuses it by having a snooze. No, of course. So they're able to go in and just clear the head. And to allow people to become more productive and be happier at their work. At lunchtime every day in the canteen, at four corners of the canteen, are all the senior management team. And they're there to serve the employees during lunchtime. What do you need to know about your medical? What do you need to know about your pension? About things that are upcoming in work? I'll sit and I'll sit here at lunchtime to serve you. That's cool. That's good time. That's very good time management. Do you think that, just to sort of cap off time management, do you think that time management's harder now than it was five years ago? Yes and no. What time management should be is allowing yourself to have an objective overview. That's what it should be, so you can make decisions. But instead, we've got this technology that gives us super choice, gives other people access to our diaries, and is always on Mm. And that's the difficulty. So if you ask me what I'm doing tomorrow, I'll have to go and if I have my laptop, I'll look look at the, the Office 365, that's fine. Or I might look up my diary. And too many people have it in their pocket. Mm. So instead of having an objective think about should you respond to the email or go to the meeting tomorrow, they're responding straight away, responding straight away. And the difficulty with that is you set a very high expectation. I sent you an email. Yeah, but you sent it last night at Sunday night at seven o'clock. You didn't respond to me because you responded to everything else. So you set a precedent for response, which means people expect to hear from you all the time. Yeah. So te- technology is um, broadly making, it's, it's forcing us, and we're seeing a backlash against this, definitely. It's forcing us to be more disciplined and um, make the technology work for us rather than us yeah, working for the technology. Totally. Like, look, they've brought in new rules in France where you cannot send business emails to employees after a certain time at night. Wow. You cannot do it. And I will never, the people I work with, I will never contact you on the weekend and I will never contact you outside of office hours unless it is a dire emergency. I just won't. Mm. That's great. I respect that. That's great. Okay. 
Um, so moving on to adaptability, something you um, think and, and know lots about. Why is adaptability important in people's work lives? Well, what it does is um, it allows you, again, I'm sort of harking back a little bit, but it allows you to have the overview. It allows you to see by being adaptable, to see what you should focus your attention on, what you should focus your energy on. Because if you're not adaptable, you could be end up doing the wrong thing, following something completely down, let's call it a rabbit hole, and it's the wrong direction entirely. So being adaptive, being able to see what has to be done or see what doesn't have to be done. And because we're humans, we usually go for the easy route first mm-hmm. rather than the hard stuff. That's that's sometimes difficult. And and more broadly, how how must we how are we pushed, how are your clients being pushed to adapt in, you know, um in today's working world? Well, <clears throat> what we just spoke about was that to be always on. So sometimes my clients have to train their clients that are not always available. I will come back to you, but it won't always be straight away. And when I come back to you, it'll be a reasoned response and a well-researched response. Mm. Um, so it's it's that interaction, I think, maybe that's answering your question. Yeah, I suppose it's more kind of, you know, the the world seems like it's more in flux, in, in a state of constant change more than ever before, I think. You know, when I think about my parents' careers, um, that things remained pretty static during their careers. The the conditions in which they worked didn't change at such a pace. I mean, they were changing. This was in the 60s, perhaps. So, you know, there was cultural change taking place, but it was a snail's pace compared to the way that things change today and that, you know, you can be a, accused of being a dinosaur for being only you know weeks out of step with uh, with how technology's changed or what people are doing or have new working practices what sorry you're not using slack you know what all this kind of stuff so you know there's certainly more pressure on people in work to be adaptable and move with this fast rate of change uh, you know do your clients struggle with that they do because, and here's what perhaps a little bit contentious, they do because they think that's what they have to do to be good in business. And what I am striving to coach them through again and again and again is slow down, work less, have the overview, overview be objective. Because you can be as busy as you want and get nothing achieved unless you know what you should be doing. Even ask yourself for every task you approach, or every meeting or every interaction, what is your end in mind? What do you want to get out of this? What do you want to see as the last thing that happens, the end in mind? Most people haven't thought that way at all. They just do it. It's almost a habit. So not enough time is actually spent taking a step back and having a strategic look, mm. responding all the time and working towards everything and every interaction has to be responded to. I'd be interested to know if you if you see people struggling with that, that people you, you encounter people that just like to say, here's the plan, this is what we're going to do. And I don't want to change it. I want to execute the plan. I want to know what it all looks like in one go, what the end point is, what the steps are, and we're just going to go there as planned. No one changed anything along the way. So that's the company goes out of business quite quickly. <laughs> so if you cannot adapt to everything that comes along, and you may, you can, something comes along, you don't necessarily have to change, but at least you can be aware. And making yourself aware, having lots of input, lots of information is great. What that should do is improve your decision-making ability, mm-hmm. not make you become inactive. 
So to be always on is great. Like if you see you're watching TV or you hear something in the in the office, you can instantly check it out because we can access it through our, our, our yeah. devices. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean you have to instantly action it. You can tie in with that a certain amount of objectivity. Let's just pause. Let's have the overview. Let's focus on, is this what I should be doing or not? Mm. So this change has happened in the business regime or the taxation system, or whatever. Should I do nothing? Maybe that's the, the, there is no response. Yeah. Too many, oh, I have to jump. We have to jump and we jump around the place. So I'm advocating a slightly slower method of response, but with a lot more weight in that actual response. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. We definitely do like to jump and jump too much, I think. And and be seen, I'm very adaptable, but I get nothing done. And then the other thing is if you're so adaptable and you try to do everything, your personal credibility really suffers because you can actually get nothing done. Mm. Yeah. Yes, that, 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 and that doesn't, it's not a good look. Um, no, um, you don't want to be a yes man who can actually do nothing. Are there certain types of people that you see struggling to adapt? Um, it- people who come from very regimented regimes. So um, if you are a teacher mm. who starts to work in a commercial entity and you get very tired every day because you're working after half four. I've <laughs> seen it recently, you know. Yeah. The chap I was coaching with was absolutely exhausted by half five every day because he spent 20 years as a teacher. <laughs> and he, he was suffering. You know, so there are different cultures, different regimes. Um, big thing is different time zones. Mm. So if we're, if, we're in, if we're headquartered in Dublin like so many large technical firms are and you're trying to have an interaction all around the world mm. and while I might be bright-eyed and bushy-tailed here at Dublin in the morning, it could be very late in the afternoon or at night somewhere else and you have to make allowances for is now a good time to talk. See, the, amount, the amount of good conversations I've had when I said, is this, is, is this a good time to talk? And people go, actually, thanks for asking that. No, it's not. Great, when is? Yeah. They get their thoughts together. Get their, they can adapt to a better situation. Yes, that, that's, that's a, good, a good thing to ask at the beginning of calls, isn't it? For sure. Is it a good time? Um, and do you think that adaptability is an innate quality? Or can it be learned? Can it be developed? We all have to learn to adapt, mm. right? So we all had to learn to walk. Then we all had to learn to do certain skills. So driving a car is a good example. So the first time you get into a car, you put on your seatbelt and then you put the key in the ignition and then you put your foot on the clutch, having made sure the car is out of gear and the handbrake is on. And then you turn the ignition, you give it a little bit of gas and you make sure the clutch is in and then you engage first gear and you lean on the accelerator and let a little bit of clutch out and and let off the handbrake and away you go. Oh, and I want you to look in three mirrors at the same time. (laughs) What? Now. The first time you come across an obstacle, you're unsure of yourself, your foot slips off the clutch and you stall the car on the road Mm. because you're not adaptable to the rising situation. Then you reach expert stage, unconscious competence, and something moves, jumps out in front of you in the road, quick as a flash, you glance in your right mirror, you indicate, you drop a gear and you accelerate around the thing. Mm. That's adapting yourself. So it's getting yourself involved in your situation and realizing what you can and cannot do. Yes. So developing a skill set in that particular area. Uh, yeah, that's 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 a very good, that's a beautifully illustrated example, actually. Um, 
Do you have an example of where adaptability has actually been the key to a client's success? Um, I have a, a very good client um, who hates me <laughs> because I've made her successful. Wow. So she is a PR lady and specializes in medical PR and went from a very small entity to now having several employees, three employees now, uh, three interns and having the biggest clients you could possibly imagine. Mm. And people clamoring at her to do podcasts and various aspects of PR clamoring at her because of me giving her a process and a system to have adaptability. So just last week, she sent me a text going, look at where I am today. It's all your fault. Thank you very much. Because she found herself standing somewhere in a, in a large company and they were fawning about her, which That's I thought good. was very nice. That's very nice. Yeah. yeah. So I, I gave her the, allowed her to have the, um, the overview and to learn to delegate and to learn to look outward. And everything we did was to have the bigger picture. So it wasn't just about getting this client. It's if you get that client, client, what would that allow you to do that you can't do today? Well, that's an interesting question and come out from there. So there's a recurring theme here, isn't there, with what you do. It's, it's a zooming out that we're all, um, you know, the human scale, the scale that we evolved to operate on is by nature actually very small. It's very zoomed in. It's, you know... F- hunter-gatherer type thoughts of, oh, there's a, an animal, let's kill it and eat it, and there's a bush, let's pick some berries and what have you. And um, we're not probably wired to, we, we've no real reason to think about the bigger picture. We've not evolved in that mm. way. So it's not natural to us. Mm. And it's clear that without having kind of artificially um, learned about that or been coached around that, that we, you know, we really need to be because otherwise we, we're not effective. We're just being kind of busy idiots, essentially, you know. Yeah, and we tend to fall into silos, which are of our own making and are just habits. Mm. We don't, I mean, I, sometimes people do accuse me of harping on and on about taking a step back, taking the overview, pausing in the moment, mm. closing your eyes, having to think about it, going, having a cup of tea, walking around the car park, come back, make a decision. It's giving yourself that time because if you don't, you're always on and you're likely to make a wrong decision. Yeah. And if you're lucky, it's not that bad. Yeah. But sometimes you're not that lucky, you know. Um, Too much speed. Yes, we can be fully informed, but let's just slow down the response. Mm. Incredible. You know, it's a good example. You send an email where you're really... Oh, I'm sending this sort of email and then you don't send it and you go and have a cup of coffee and come back and look at it and go, oh my God, I'm glad I didn't send that. Yeah. Same sort of thing. Slow down, pause. Yeah, I think, yes. No, we've We're all, all we've, guilty of that. We've all sent those emails. <laughs> no, we all haven't sent them. We've all yeah. Sent them. yeah, we've all been for that coffee as well and come back. Certainly I have. Um, great, That's 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 been really fascinating. What Just to, to, to wrap up, what I'd love um, you to tell me is tomorrow morning when I wake out of my slumber, um, what are three things that I can do tomorrow to improve, based, you know, based on the fact you know nothing about my current time management setup, but what are three things I can do that will almost certainly improve the use of my time? Um, obviously, give yourself the overview. So number one, give myself 
a, literally a, a, a drawn overview of all the things I'm working on and how they are linked. A mind map, a paper, hand-drawn paper mind map or whiteboard yes. or whatever it may be to put down the overview. Because what that. typically happens is someone says to me, I'm coaching with them, I'm working on three things. Then we do that process and they go, oh my God, it's 13. Yes. So you oh, didn't know I'm working on 13 things. I think a lot of us are guilty of that. So we map that out, we take a look at it, and then what we say, so this, so that's that's number one, and I am going to do that tomorrow morning. Number two, is it, is it I, do I then ask myself, what are the most urgent things on that? Well, what are your priorities? Okay. Because it's urgent versus important. Thank you. Right? So it is important for me to pay my rent or my mortgage. Mm. It only becomes urgent when I don't have a systems in place to make that happen. Thank you. So to be able to distinguish between urgent and important, which allows you to prioritise, then when you do prioritise, what has to be done, what doesn't have to be done, what I can delegate. That's a little complex, but it does allow you to be good with your time. It's true, because, you know, I often think about that with client emails. They are they are urgent. They're not always important. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I love my clients, but um, emails and in general can seem very urgent. But do they move the needle on the things that you want to progress that day? And the answer is they probably don't. Mm. And then the one that ties in the most is batch all the tasks. So thirdly, batch my tasks. Batch your tasks. So we've already, I'm taking it as a given that you're not looking at your emails every time one pops in. Mm. You're looking at it morning, just before lunch, just before you finish for the day. That's when you're looking at your email and then you're batching all your tasks together. And you may find when you have to put together a particularly difficult email, maybe it's best done while walking down to the shops for your lunch and using a voice recorder on your phone. Yes, Right, so be clever about it. Be, you talked about working on the tube, working on the train. Be clever about where you have those out loud thinking moments that are very effective. Mm. Make difficult phone calls first in the day. Do all your writing tasks together. And then make time for play. Make time for calling over to have a cup of coffee with someone and having a conversation about anything other than work. Free your mind. Yes, well, I think we all need to do that more often. Thank you. I'm going to do all those things tomorrow. Promise. I really am. And um, that's been a very interesting uh, uh, chat with full of insight about time management and adaptability. Thank you so much, Kevin, for taking the time to talk to us. Delighted to help. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thanks. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information about developing your own soft skills in marketing, head to digitalmarketinginstitute.com. Thanks for listening.